from Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Amon Greer. This is Film Club, a podcast series where our youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. If you haven't seen the movie they're talking about, prepare to learn far more about them than the trailers will tell you. We're back in the MCU for this episode, talking about Volume 3 of the Guardians of the Galaxy series. The movie focuses on the backstory of Rocket Raccoon after his creator, the High Evolutionary, re-emerges to take him back. This sets the Guardians on a new adventure to save not only the galaxy again, but to protect the found family they've worked so hard to forge. Our At Me producers got together in the studio to talk about Guardians 3, its impact on the state of superhero movies, the dropping of the first F-bomb in a Disney Marvel production, and much more. Here's their discussion led by Madison Knutson. Welcome to the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 Roundtable. Um, and to start this roundtable, could you introduce yourselves and describe your familiarity with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? I guess I'll kick it off because I'm the new hire. Uh, yeah, I'm AJ. Uh, joined this institute about like a, this week, a couple days ago, and... My fam- I, I've seen all of them, and I've seen basically every MCU movie save for Eternals, Ant-Man 3, and Black Panther 2. Those are the three I've missed that have been recent because I've kind of fallen off of it a little bit. But Guardians was always like the core for me. Like th- Those are my favorite MCU movies, and seeing this as the finale, it was a satisfying ending. That's why I'm at. My name is Logan Taylor Smith. Uh, I always go by the full name. Uh, and uh, I have seen pretty much all MCU-related content, except for the Disney Plus shows and at least three of the yeah. movies. The early mm-hmm. ones, Incredible Hulk and Thor The Dark World, and I haven't seen Eternals yet. So my name's Rowie. Um, I have seen all of the MCU content, <laughs> like all of it in general. Um, I am a really big fan of the MCU, although I have my qualms with the universe in general. And I'm really looking forward to starting the roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm very familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I've seen all three, and I, I believe I saw all three of them in theaters. So I've been there for the entire trilogy. And then kind of moving on to the most pressing question of the whole roundtable, how many times did you cry during Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Um, Personally, probably six. (laughs) Like, I teared up at least six times, and I definitely cried at all of the points where Rocket was, like, literally being tortured because animal abuse is not my favorite thing at all what Um, i know right (laughs) crazy Crazy. we can edit that out (laughs) (laughs) um uh yeah a lot in in general (laughs) my uh my my like crying threshold for for movies and tv is pretty high like it it needs to be it needs to hit a very specific nerve to get me going I, i can tear up sometimes i like the only time i think i've cried cried at a movie was the ending of the Dead Poet Society. And yeah, <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Up till that point, it has it just doesn't happen to me. 
this movie did get me tearing up a couple times, but it was actually, um, oh, can I actually say what scene it was? Are we going into the spoiler yeah, talk? Yeah, yeah, okay. this is a spoiler. <laughs> yes. Great. Uh, it was, it was uh, Drax. It was Drax talking to the kids and just like being a dad to them. Uh, that got me. That got me more than the rocket stuff. Cause I feel like the rocket stuff, it was like, you're trying, you're trying so hard to make me cry. It hit the point where like, it just, I see what you're doing. So it doesn't work as well. But Drax, yeah. that scene with Drax, I was like, yeah, yeah, that got me going a little bit. Yeah, there are plenty of things in the MCU that they're trying to do, but if it succeeds, I don't really mind. Like, I teared up, uh, but honestly, it wasn't, like, full-on sobbing. I don't tend to do that in movies. sure. But, yeah, I'd say, like, uh, especially during the rocket scenes, even though I knew what they were doing, it was kind of like, damn, this is kind of the start of his arc and the end of his arc in the same movie. And, you know, that's good symmetry, because when we... We, we obviously met all the characters in the first movie, and it's kind of cool seeing how the tears actually work for the story. <laughs> I'll explain more later. Yeah, I think uh, the one, like, statement you used, like, I think it was Tuesday when we were talking about, was, like, which one made you, like, emotionally, like, vulnerable or something, or, like, something like that. But, yeah, definitely the Drax moment was big, uh, especially the ending with uh, Florence and the Machines, uh dog days are over um that was like a really big scene i know that's getting memed a lot too so (laughs) it got a lot of people i mean you gotta see it coming with how many times in this movie they do the slow-mo walk scene with the guardians yeah like by by the end there had been five and i've just been like are you doing a bit with this are you you're wanting us to take this seriously every single time you see i did think they were doing a bit in the first one because they played that scene from the trailer where they're like carrying quill and it looked like Quill might have been dead but yeah then then it like plays at the beginning where he's like drunk just black out yeah it's like that is probably the funniest bit of trolling i've ever seen by james gunn (laughs) I will say that the slow, like the slow-mo walk is iconic in a lot of James Gunn superhero films. Mm -hmm. It's something that he consistently pulls out as a bit in like, um, he did it in both of the Suicide Squad movies. Uh, He only Uh, did the second one. Oh, the second one. He was not responsible for Suicide Squad 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, blanked on that one. The Suicide Squad movie that he directed, he did it in that one. Um, and I think it's just something that he really enjoys doing because it's funny for him. (laughs) Um, but he's also, uh, he has a lot of inside jokes, I think, as a director. (laughs) But I did agree. There were, there were five. There were like, there were a lot. It was a lot. And if, if, if he was asking us to take it seriously, it's like, it's not. And if it was a bit, it got less and less funny. (laughs) So I don't know. I, I love James Gunn, so he he gets the benefit of the doubt from mm-hmm. me. And I loved Suicide Squad 2021. Yeah, 2021. yeah the yeah. Suicide Squad. The Suicide yeah. Squad. Thank you. I yeah. did see 2016 in preparation, <laughs> just 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 to have the contrast. I don't know if any of you have seen yeah. that. Oh, I've seen yeah. I saw the it. The contrast yeah. is significant. It's it's mm-hmm. night and day. <laughs> Moving on, um, what were your impressions of the movie, and did you have any expectations going into it? I honestly was just hoping that it would be a satisfying conclusion to the Guardian's arc, because honestly, this might be a little bit of a hot take. Uh, But uh, I did not like the fact that the Guardians appeared in Infinity War and Endgame. I thought thought their story was so self-contained, and it could have worked like that. It could have been like one of the few MCU movies to function like a trilogy. Like, even the Iron Man trilogy, like, Iron Man 3 gave a more or less reasonable ending, but then he doesn't get, like, a real ending until Endgame. And I think the Guardians movies, if they hadn't appeared in Infinity War or Endgame, they could have had, like, a 
totally coherent through line. None of the Gamora stuff. Like, I, I do like Gamora as a character, so that was hard for me to say. But, like, the whole alternate Gamora thing. But overall, I thought it could have functioned well as a trilogy. And for the most part, it did. Like, I mm-hmm. was generally emotionally affected. The characters completed their arcs in a way that mm-hmm. felt consistent with the first two. Like, ending trilogies is hard. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, you have to take into account that, yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> totally. I mean, the original Spider-Man, obviously, most people agree it ended badly. Spider-Man 3 is, is my favorite of the Raimi oh, movies. I know. I'm so, I love Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I think this is the most chaotic roundtable we've done already. Because yeah. it's in person. Yeah. yeah. We have yet to address that. We are oh, in yeah. person today. Oh. First, yeah. I didn't know that was unusual. Yeah, it's yes. my first roundtable ever. Yeah, so. yeah. oh, and we a lot, a lot AJ's of first roundtable. Yeah. yeah, but um, anyway, overall, I liked it. Yeah, next, yes. Yeah. Um, just to really quickly uh, jump off of what you're saying, I do think that it's unfortunate that um, James, that that Gunn didn't have control over what happened to his characters in other MCU movies because yeah. he didn't he just didn't have any control over if they were going to appear what was going to happen to them. I am almost 100% sure that he didn't want Gamora to die in Endgame. Spoiler, oh, yeah. by the way, but that came out in 2019. <laughs> so Spoiler, Endgame. 2018. 2018. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it's kind of... I absolutely understand what you're saying. It It's really... I think it's really sad that he didn't have as much control over what he wanted to do as he... as as what he did have control over. Yeah. Because um, the stuff he had control over, I thought it he did It was really phenomenal. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I think w- given the content that he had and given the space that he was given, I think he did a phenomenal job with tying up all of the loose ends, giving all of these characters a really great sort of send-off. Um, and that's sort of my impression of what it was was that you know he wasn't given a lot to work with he kind of pulled the short straw in a lot of ways and so being able to tie everything together um and kind of you know say goodbye one last time I think he did a really great job with what he had yeah just to add some context to that in 2018 uh James Gunn actually was fired from yeah. Guardians mm-hmm. uh, because of some tweets, some controversial tweets that he had uh, done in about, I think it was like 2009 or yeah. something. Old, um, old, 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 old. Yeah. And yeah. so that was also something that he had to deal with is like being fired and then being rehired. rehired. Yeah. yeah. Rehired, but not before he just like went over to DC and made the yeah. Suicide Squad. And yeah. Marvel was like, never mind, fine. Uh, you can leave, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. now he's the boss of all of DC. Yeah. So. Listeners, it was quite the kerfuffle. Yes. <laughs> to sum it up, it was a lot. Yeah. I I think some of that actually came through in this. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, y'all probably caught the IP gag that they have with uh, the Orgo Corp or whatever. Right. Yeah. Orgo Corp is pretty clearly, to me at least, he's he's talking shit about Disney. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. are, oh we, wow. I, we can, a little, yeah, bit, yeah. A little yeah. bit. Are we are we supposed to be filtered on these, by the way? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, think of it as pg 13. PG-13. Okay. PG-13. Yeah. Uh, Just like this movie with the one F-bomb. Yeah. The only the first F-bomb, F-bomb in the whole yeah. MCU. I was <laughs> well, so the, excited. The first one I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could argue Get an F that, in the car. Um, or you could say, you could argue uh, like uh, X-Men 
Mm-hmm. But they aren't like Disney Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And Homecoming uh, had like the cutoff with yeah. Aunt, with Ant Man. Well, Aunt but the Spider Man movies, all of them kind of end with it like a cutoff f bomb. Um, that's kind of like a bit that they have going on, and they've had. I mean, like, um, uh, what was it? I think it was the end of Infinity War when uh, Fury gets snapped. He starts to say mother, mother. Yeah. but yeah. then he, you know. A very Samuel L. Mm-hmm. Jackson um, thing to do, yes. too. <laughs> so they have a running gag where they, like, pretend to cut off um, F-bombs. Right. But in this one, they actually, he just said it. I think that was also an ad-lib, and they kept it in. Nice. <laughs> that, that wasn't um, surprising. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I love how the first F-bomb in the MCU wasn't even in an impactful moment. No. And specifically no. <laughs> later on, when there is an impactful moment, they say, like, frick instead like enough to where you like you think about it and you're like wait but earlier like yeah. that it's like 5d chess <laughs> from yeah. Yes. yeah we'll drop it in this car interaction but not like the climax of the movie i feel like it's worth noting that even though it's the first f-bomb in the mcu <laughs> most of the f-bombs in marvel related content have been used in deadpool and logan i'm just gonna yeah. say oh yeah yes. yeah we're not counting the oh do we stuff, count though? deadpool as mcu now uh, uh we do now now yeah. that it's bought and then when the next one comes out, we yeah. will. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely have. We'll have many more F bombs. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be so real. I'm losing faith that the MCU is gonna survive much longer. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because that, that that's, what, that's that's what I was gonna say in terms of my general impression walking mm-hmm. away from this movie was a lot of people after Endgame said, I'm done with the MCU. I'm checking out. Yeah. This was satisfying. I was like, well, no, no, no. I really want to see what they do with the blip after this. Because yeah. I, I saw the snap as like, oh, you can tell so many stories with yeah. that. Yeah. And they just kind of have it. They, they dropped the ball. They, they, five years five later. Years later. <laughs> and then they never went back to those five years. Yeah. And so watching Guardians 3, I feel like it, it was the strongest since Endgame. Like yeah. by, 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 a, by a good Absolutely. shot. Uh, you know, and in terms of movies, I loved Loki more than most things in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And WandaVision was great. But like, this was like, all right, I feel like I, I've closed out the Guardians closed out my favorite MCU character, Nebula, like really well. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, I can walk away from this and I can probably check out of the MCU at this point. But also, I feel like I kind of still want to watch the slow-mo car crash happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, I can't, I can't look, look away. away. Like I really need to, but I just, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think that this being the first movie that did the F-bomb was really impactful. They did sort of like a opposite, like a reverse uh, BoJack Horseman where they, yep. the one F-bomb of, the, of like the whole thing is yeah. not an impactful moment. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I, def- I definitely agree with all of that. It was like, I expected a good closeout to the Guardians and that is pretty much what I got. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so one of the biggest aspects of the Guardians movies and of like, I guess you could argue MCU movies is the world building and especially the character building. Um, and in this new installment, they explore so many different planets, um, counter earth, you know, Orgo corpse, um, was their like main headquarters. Um, and then you also see the cobbled together creations like Leela, Rocket, uh, Teeths and Floor. Um, and so what aspects of the design of like the settings and the characters of this film did you um, find to be the most fascinating additions? One of my favorite like uh, 
things in movies in general, just like genres of movies, is like apocalypse or sci-fi. And I, I got a lot of that in this one. And there's always been that sort of sci-fi element to the Guardians movies because it's very much like we're exploring this, I mean, the galaxy and all of these opportunities and possibilities that are in the galaxy that we haven't explored. And so they're kind of able to just do whatever they want, um, which is really exciting for me. So I liked all of it, but I really especially liked Counter Earth. I thought it was really like it was a really interesting take on what like what if some guy was like, I want to create another Earth where I am God (laughs) and all of the humans are half animal. And so it was kind of, it reminded me of Zootopia a little bit. Oh Oh my God. Um, Where I was like, this is really weird. It's like humans, but they're all animals. But like, is there animal racism? And like, we did get a a brief moment where some animals were assaulting each other behind a dumpster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. They, well, I mean, that was like a drug deal gone wrong. I think. Yeah. It was like a joke. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was just such a strange kind of idea. And I wanted to kind of go deeper into it and like find out like had there been evolution or did that like mm. how recent was this quote-unquote colony you right. know founded are they just they right. were just put there and they are you know dead set on being um loyal to their leader so they just accepted that that was their life now mm. like how how many generations have been on it because it seemed like it was in like the 80s um just based off of like the clothes that they were wearing and the, the, the pictures, the yeah. aesthetics. Um, and so I was, I was just so, I was like thinking about it for so long after I saw it, I was like, so was there animal cavemen? Were yeah. like, was there the animal civil war? Like what was going on there? What's the Ooh. history? Yeah. Did he just decide on the eighties as like a time period and they'll just never go back or um, continue to move forward? In, I mean, yeah, not much you can do now. Right. Yeah. It's blown up now. But uh, it was just really, I thought that was really interesting and a really fascinating sort of like mm-hmm. throwaway world that yeah. uh, I really want to learn more about. Yeah. For me, it was it was OrgoCorp. And I think a lot of people on Twitter, <laughs> not, not, to, not to cite the Twitter discourse, but I right. will. Uh, it was like, you know, the CG in OrgoCorp was not like, was not perfect it was sure. it was it, it didn't look fantastic it looks a little goofy personally i could i could care less i could not mm-hmm. care less it's like <laughs> it 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 the, it was the function of it in the movie and just the concept of a space station made entirely of biomatter and like just like seeing all the like fun visual things they were able to do with that like having you know the pods were transported like surrounded by this viscous like mm-hmm. organic mm-hmm. goo and it's like this is gross but also you know it's just as technological as like like hardcore metal chrome sci-fi yeah. so i don't know it, it was i thought that was really neat on, on top of the whole like orgo corpus disney you know antibodies <laughs> ip stuff like that um and i like seeing it clash with like the more industrial uh like high evolutionary ship and just the whole like completely separate issue who's just kind of flying like literally flying around the film and adam warlock who's just (laughs) kind of doing his own thing for the whole like time and you forget that he's in it and then he shows up it's like oh yeah you're in this the guy with the eyebrows is here i forgot about (laughs) (laughs) i have Um, thoughts on him he's he's, i I, god i love him you know what's funny is um listening to all this uh talk about cgi and world building and all that it reminds me that 
I've talked about this in like past roundtables before. Uh, just the idea that I generally think Marvel tends to overuse its CG and oh yeah mm-hmm. doesn't always use it in a very plot relevant way a hundred percent of the time. That's it's my opinion, obviously. But one thing I've always liked about James Gunn's approach to the Guardians movies is that he always seems to have a certain purpose to it. Like, it's hard to put into words, but I do think uh, he understands that the galaxy, as previously stated, is kind of important to the Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And he kind of uses the CGI almost as like a second production design. Yeah. Uh, And also... um, I'm sure we'll get more into Adam Warlock later, but he looked about as like what I expected. <laughs> well, a lot of the CG in this I thought was like really strong, like oh, especially yeah. coming immediately after Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Oh, oh, like this, any this thing and, shined like, in comparison. Thor, Love and Thunder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh Thor! Yeah. Oh Thor! Four. You were yeah. talking earlier about uh, James Gunn not having control of his characters in other movies. And yeah. Thor. Taika. I was going to say Taika. Taika, yep. I and so look, bad for him. look, I love Taika Waititi. Love so do I. He's jo- going to redeem himself. Yeah, I, I hope Jojo Rabbit is in my like top three favorite movies ever. We can high five on camera, right? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Chris. Adore Jojo Rabbit. And then I was like so excited for Thor 4 because I was like, yeah, this is one of my favorite directors. Right. And it's. Yes. <laughs> But and this isn't Thor Ragnarok that. just brought our, ex- yeah. our expectation yeah. mm-hmm. levels up to like a thousand. Really did, yeah. yeah, well, I would say Guardians 1 and 2 did that also. I don't know if you guys yeah. saw James Gunn talking about how he made the lore for the Infinity Stones. <laughs> During the press tour for this movie, Guardians 3, he was asked about how like, oh yeah, a lot of the Infinity Stone lore was like planted in Guardians 1. Could you talk a little about that, like a little bit about that? And he goes, yeah, I just made some bullshit up. And like, yeah. 90, <laughs> I just made some shit up in 90 minutes. Like it was loosely based on the comics, but right. the yeah. comic Infinity Stone lore goes into like actual Satan. So like- uh, <laughs> yeah. And like Adam Warlock is also involved in the Infinity yeah. Stone. Cause mm-hmm. Adam Warlock in the comics is sort of almost like mm-hmm. a uh, vision character. Yeah. Where he He's has much like more a like stone. a messiah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And he also um, is sort of like the high evolutionary where mm-hmm. a lot of people worship him mm-hmm. as a god. Um, I do think it's worth noting that also in the comics, the Infinity Stones are wildly different colors compared yep. to the movie. Absolutely. Also, <laughs> the Eye of Agamotto does not contain the green time stone. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. everyone. And yeah. I, li- I like when different mediums like tweak the stories so a little I. bit. Oh, like, yeah, I feel like it's necessary, especially because the MCU is now influencing the comics again. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, you, you like seeing that feedback loop, or at least I do. But yeah, I, I think... Because I feel like James Gunn was like written into a corner by the Russos and to an extent Taika, yeah. Yeah. he didn't have room for Adam Warlock anymore. So yeah. he just turned him into a himbo. <laughs> And and it's, it's a great job. I, it's, I, mean, God, it's I kind of loved his character. I thought it was really funny. I can't believe that they just killed off his mom. Yeah. 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 In two oh seconds. I was like, what? All what? the moms are dying. All the moms she are was dying. such an important character she was in such volume an important two. Character, and I really, really I just loved her as a like I thought she was really fun person (laughs) like a really fun character it was kind of funny she was actually in volume two i think like she was like yeah she was a a big yeah and quill was kind of flirting with her a little bit because that tends to be chris pratt has to flirt with one person (laughs) in the movie yeah uh on that like note it's like that was very much like built up in the last one the post-credit scene for guardians 2 had 
Adam Warlock That's being true. teased. And I think that something that maybe was really detrimental for James Gunn was the gap in between that post credit scene, a entire like Infinity War endgame, and then this movie coming after it. So I think that's one thing. But if you guys want to talk more about um, Adam Warlock, go ahead. Like, what was your favorite parts of his character? And did you think like maybe he didn't serve the plot? all that well or did you love him i think he served the plot a little bit like in the earlier parts of the movie when he's like fighting the guardians and trying to uh basically obtain rocket for the high evolutionary he's just one of many pawns the high evolutionary Mm -hmm. is trying to get to like get his creation back to him because i guess rocket is way smarter than even the high evolutionary could have hoped yeah and it's it's a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) i do think that he you know, as a B plot or maybe even a C plot, I think it was uh, entertaining. Do I think that he was absolutely necessary? No. And they really did build it up. Uh, they really hyped it up in yeah. the, that post-credit scene. Um, and that's <laughs> when they did the post-credit scene. I was like, oh, my God, I have to read up on mm-hmm. Adam Warlock and I have to learn all these things about him. So I really wonder like how they're going to adapt him. And so I was a little bit disappointed that he was just like some dumb idiot who had mommy issues. Yeah, he was like Prince Charming in Shrek too. Yeah, that <laughs> energy. Definitely. It, it it I think his character is on its own. I think it's really compelling and I'm really excited to see like how he develops as a person because I'm sure he'll have his own arc. Right. Um just based off of Adam Warlock in the comics and then hit their adaptation of that character into the movies, I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, and the thing is, like, every, this happens to me every time I watch a Marvel movie. Even if I enjoy it or have mixed feelings about it, like, even after Thor Love and Thunder, I was just like, I want to go back to the comics. Right. <laughs> and I've never felt that way with Guardians because I've always felt the story was reasonably consistent on its own, but obviously that's just a side tangent unrelated to Adam Warlock. Who I thought was, I think, did we use the word himbo earlier? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I did. Himbo, yeah. yeah, he's a himbo. Yeah. And and I, I just just to bounce in real quick, all of the things that you guys just said, I completely agree with. I think there's absolutely like r- valid reasons to be disappointed by the fact that it was set up, mm-hmm. and then it's just like literally in the script, he's prematurely taken out of the vat, and so he's just underdeveloped. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like right. that 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 is gone going <laughs> wink wink. I wish wink, I could wink. give you something more. Yeah. I am being forced to take him out of the pod too early. That's right. And for that reason, I loved what they did with him and just how yeah. like he's he's a villain at first, but just because he thinks he has to be. Like yeah. he's going around like just like blowing shit up because A, he doesn't know how strong he is. <laughs> yeah. and B it's like he just got born he doesn't know what he's doing yeah, right. and I, I just love literally born yeah. yesterday the yeah. first the first time someone talks to him is like yeah dude like <laughs> just like oh my bad my bad yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, sorry about that one guys <laughs> I, I just love that concept so much and I think Will Poulter just like just killed it like the, yeah. the deep uh, British voice just like well that wasn't British but oh sorry I, I, I really mm-hmm. apologize for that one yeah. <laughs> my bad are we allowed to do that I don't know. <laughs> British accents? Are we offending the British populace? No, let's be real, they won't be. Um, <laughs> um, kind of just going on, uh, Rocket's backstory was yeah. extensively kind of talked about, uh, which had been like hinted on throughout the entire trilogy. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about uh, Rocket's flashbacks and like kind of what they 
revealed about him. I'm going to have to go soon. So I'd like to, this is kind of going to be my last segment and then I'm going to okay. have to yeah. head yeah. out. Fire away. Um, I loved it. Not like, I don't love animal abuse. I should no. say that ahead of time. Don't love animal abuse. Canceled. Don't. No. <laughs> Canceled, yeah. Um, I cried. As I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, this podcast, I uh, it was really, um, I felt like they handled it in a really respectful way, which is kind of silly because he's, you know, he's a fictional raccoon. So being respectful to him in a way that really... Um, it acknowledged the fact that he came from extensive amounts of abuse and torture. Mm -hmm. And he had what was essentially his family um, just taken away from him right in front of his 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 face. Uh, and his first, I don't know if you guys caught this, his first word being hurts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> right? Right? Dude, <laughs> that got me so bad. Yeah. I sobbed in the theater. Uh, that one really, uh, that hurt me. I really, uh, it really got me. And his rocket being so smart just naturally and being even smarter than what the high evolutionary thought he was going to be mm -hmm. or thought he could achieve is so interesting to who he is as a person because he seems like this very aggressive and blunt and, um, sort of shadowy figure at the beginning. You know, he's a criminal. He is uh, mean and he steals things. And uh, But over the course of the trilogy, we sort of get to understand that he is a very uh, troubled uh, individual. And I'm, I'm really glad that we got to see that side of him where he's vulnerable and open. Um, because particularly at the beginning when he's with Tiefs and Floor and uh, Leela. Leela. Mm -hmm. He is so open and he is so kind to them and he uh, really just wants to be their friend and their family and he wants to, you know, be able to go off and escape with them, which I did think it was also interesting that his, uh, his ultimate want was never to go to Counter-Earth and live there. His ultimate want was to leave. There, everyone else wanted to live on Counter-Earth and they wanted to live with the High Evolutionary because they'd been brainwashed. Mm -hmm. But him, already being as smart as he was, he just wanted to get out of there and he wanted to live with his family on his own. Yeah. And so I thought that was also really interesting. And uh, I think they handled it really well. And I think that... Um, I, I, I hope that Rocket and the new Guardians um, are sort of able to move forward with that information and be respectful of it and then also I hope that we get backstories for a lot of the other characters because yeah. like we know what happens to Drax and we have seen a lot of um Star-Lord <laughs> yeah a lot <laughs> yeah. we've we've seen a lot of him um yeah. and obviously we know what happens to Nebula and Gamora but I would also love to see a little bit more of Gamora and the uh the Ravagers mm -hmm. I would love to see their dynamic more um and I would love to be able to see what the Guardians do in the future the, these new Guardians with huge super freaking buff Groot yeah. <laughs> and swole um Groot. swole yeah. Groot yeah but like ultra swole Groot um, and that was a post-credit scene. I don't know if you guys I saw, saw them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, I thought they did a really good job overall. I thought it was really, uh, really hurt me <laughs> in, in a good way. I think James Gunn did a really good job 
Um, and I'm really happy that we got to see his backstory because I feel like his is maybe one of the ones that we were the most uh, interested in and we wanted to learn the most about because a lot of the other ones we kind of uh, learned about already in other movies. So I'm glad that they addressed it. I'm glad that they addressed it in a respectful way. And overall, I was really happy with the way that they did it. And that's going to be all from me, unfortunately, but I appreciate uh, you guys having me and I am so happy to be here and I hope that you guys have a really good rest of the roundtable. I loved like the rocket scenes. I've mentioned that earlier and I think that's what the question was about. Yeah. Uh, The rocket scenes definitely were predictably poignant. Like, honestly, it was always implied that Rocket was abused a little bit, like, the thing about the Guardians movies is the only parental figures who possibly remain unscathed in the Guardians franchise is Peter's mother and Drax. Those are mm-hmm. the only two reasonably good parents yeah. in the entire Guardians canon. I mean, Thanos was abusive to Nebula and yeah. Gamora. Rocket's creators were abusive. Ego. Yondu's parents sold him into slavery. That's mentioned briefly yeah. in volume two. Ego. Ego just being a genocidal. Ego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could almost say, like, Yondu was a little abusive. He yeah. still oh, yeah. was, like, sort of a good parent, but, like, he wasn't enough Compared to be, to like, ego. yeah. Compared to um, Ego, he yeah. was a Yondu had good intentions, yeah. but just didn't yeah. do just, it right. <laughs> yeah, too much, too much, uh, trauma from his background. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. like, it's, it's a cycle, and, like, mm-hmm. Yondu grew up as a Ravager, and yeah. so just passed on the same mm-hmm. Ravager sensibilities, but with Rocket, it was just, like, yeah. from day <laughs> one, trapped in the cage. And other people were trapped in the cage with him, so he got that, but... For me, the rocket scenes, um, the emotional, the emotional impact of them, obviously, like it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for most of it, I'd say there were parts of it where I, I was like, "All right, like it's very obvious what you're trying to set up. Yeah. Like you're making me love these characters so that it will like hurt when you kill yeah. them." They yeah. got Linda um, Cardellini to yeah. voice yeah. Uh, Leela. <laughs> so that's who that was. Uh, yeah, it nice. was. It's uh, Hawkeye's wife. They got <laughs> Hawkeye's wife to voice the character. Yeah. Adding Same her to the list character, of people. Canonically. Yeah, <laughs> adding her to the list of people who have played multiple roles in the MCU. Yeah. Seth Green appeared as excited Stark X Bo guy. Oh yeah, and now and he's then, Howard the Duck. Yeah, nice. And I, you could say you actually couldn't say Stanley. It's been one character. <laughs> Stanley yeah, was the same fair. watcher. That's fair. Uh, but for me, that the highlights of of the Rocket flashbacks were, and here comes the flex, Chakuri Yabuji as the yes. high evolutionary. Um, for most of the movie, I was just like hooked on on his performance and. Uh, towards the end it got a little grating it was like all right i can only take so much of this guy yeah. insanely screaming into other people's faces but also like yeah that's his deal yeah. like people with ego complex <laughs> ego complex God people complex. with like this like belief that they are the only person in the world who can like cur- control and create mm-hmm. things and this huge control complex yeah it's gonna just be a petulant child screaming when he doesn't get his yeah. way i think that works better as this type of villain than like a looming, omniscient, stoic uh, Kang the Conqueror character. Yes, I wanted to talk about that because I, after watching this, I was like, I'd much rather, I know you were saying you got kind of tired of uh, the High Evolutionary at the end. A little bit. I Yeah, I was kind of thinking, I was like, I'd much rather see the High Evolutionary than what they've set up for Kang so Mm -hmm. far. And I'm like, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because it's only been two, uh, like a movie and the end of Loki. I loved him in Loki. 
I really yeah, he I, was yeah. he was pretty good in Loki. Um, but then Ant Man happened, and like <laughs> eh, it was fine. And now Jonathan Majors will never return to the MCU. Yeah, who's no. Jonathan Majors? Who are we even no. talking about? Who um, are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought, yeah, I thought his character was much more compelling than what we've seen so far. Yeah. and I'm hoping they can take some of that, yeah. uh, Marvel, and then change some of what uh, Kang is going to be like because they're right they're the whole like next saga of marvel is on Kang. yeah Yeah. and i feel like what what this movie did with high evolutionary that ant-man and loki didn't do with kang which is why this one works is high evolutionary is inherently high concept it is like broad looming villain Mm sci-fi at its core high stakes but He's a human. He's a human yeah. dude with human flaws and human sensibilities, throwing human temper tantrums. We know people in our lives like the High Evolutionary. I look at uh, He Who Remains, and yeah, it's a cool stoic god character. And I look at Kang, and it's a cool stoic god character. Mm-hmm. There's no connection there. There's no inroad for me to access that character. Yeah, I'm just be- I'm just looking at the movie and going, okay, he's 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 there. Yeah. He's 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 a stoic bad guy. There's, there's that you're just telling me that I'm not seeing anything, mm-hmm. and seeing this like almost immediately after Kang and Ant Man, it is yeah, it's night and day, and both had good performances. Like like yeah, say, please say what you will about majors, but he's he nailed he it as Kang. Um, but yeah, if if they pull the strings behind the scenes at Marvel Studios and just go, all right, a glitch happened in the cosmos, yeah. and now Chakwudi Abuji plays yeah, every Kang variant. It's like all right, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> One thing I do think is important to note is I do think the Guardians trilogy individually has gotten progressively better at making its villains more compelling. Mm-hmm. Like, we went from Ronan, probably one yeah. of the weakest villains in the entirety. Just, of, just so we could get yeah. um, uh, Ego yep. got a little better, in my opinion, and then we got High Evolutionary. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. whether or not the movies are relatively equal in quality yeah. is not really yeah. something I feel comfortable talking about right now. I'm not sure <laughs> if I want to rank them. Uh. But I do think, like, the villains, at least, have gotten progressively yeah. better. They're all up there for me. Like, I, I think comparing the three Guardians movies amongst themselves is kind of pointless for me yeah. because oh, yeah. I feel like they're all so strong on their own and as a unit. Absolutely. Um, and I, I do think there's there's value in, in roping it in with Infinity War and Endgame because with those two, I feel like Guardians was the crossover element, yeah. right? Like, you had Cap and you had Iron Man and you had, you know, Wanda and all, and all these, like, Earth characters crossing over with the guardians it really was a guardians um uh kind of saga yeah exactly and those two are part of that um i think that core like those five movies three guardians infinity war Endgame, stand out like like in a whole in a league of their own next to the rest of the mcu for me like that's the comparison that should be made and that just makes me excited to see what's coming for dc (laughs) part of me wonders if kevin feige the producer behind all these people part of me wonders if he knows that he can't really recreate the lightning in a bottle element that that game was you can't i know the audience knows it i don't know know if he knows that he just sees the money and he's like all right i'll take it so speaking of like the next phase of the mcu and mcu like future (laughs) um so yeah, this is the second movie in Phase Five. Uh, first really? being Ant Man, I, I believe okay. the first being Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. So yeah, the phase has kind of been kicked off like mixed reactions because that one was like, eh. Yeah. And this one, I've I've seen a lot of people love this movie. 
So what do you think that this movie represents for kind of the next phase of the MCU? It's over. (laughs) (laughs) It's over. This is it. Like, for me, at least, I think I'm looking at the slate of the rest of phase five, right? Mm -hmm. Phase five, They ended phase four when they realized people were mad at phase four. And then they started phase five with (laughs) Ant-Man. Yeah. And uh, that's besides the point. I'm looking at what's coming next, and I see Blade, which is in production hell, <laughs> uh, Echo, Loki season two, and and then Secret Wars and King Marvels. Dynasty. We Marvels looks Marvels. fun. Marvels looks yeah. fun. I'll probably watch yeah. Marvels, but like just looking at where the MCU has been going, and especially with Phase Four, like we haven't even heard anything from the Eternals since their movie. Oh my god. I've completely gosh, no. forgotten about Shang-Chi. Yeah. Um, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't yeah, matter. Yeah. The blip didn't get followed through. No, there, like, no. No, no lasting impacts from the blip beyond like what writers have to take into account with yeah. their stories. It's it's too disorganized at this point. Especially because they're hiring writers as gig writers oh, for these god. streaming shows yeah. instead of like an that actual goes set into plan. The writer yeah. strike. Writer uh. strike. Uh, <laughs> I I I don't really see myself being too tuned in to MCU phase five. And I think I needed something to bring it home and this was that. Yeah. I I will still watch the Marvels and I'll still watch Loki season two because I liked those. And I like hmm. I really like uh Monica Rambeau and, and Carol Danvers. Like, I, yeah. I, just, I just like the Marvels as characters. Oh, I yeah. think they're fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, no, I, I don't feel like I should be investing in it expecting a payoff like yeah. Endgame in Secret Wars because at this they're point, I don't up. have faith that Secret Wars is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing about Marvel, I've noticed this for a while since Endgame, but also a little before Endgame, is that at least the people I know and talk to or hear about on the internet, is that they'll probably, even if the movies, like, don't create the endgame level of satisfaction, they'll still probably see it as yeah. sort of a cultural obligation. Like, some Box of the people... Yeah, some of the people I talk to rarely seem all that excited about it. But also, this is a whole other thing. Sometimes they refuse to actually watch the great movies that they might like even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do think that, it's to an extent, audiences are fr- afraid to take risks, and that's why MCU keeps more or less succeeding. Yeah. Uh, and I'll probably my point is I'll probably still watch the MCU from now on. I just won't. I just won't like it as much. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, I think there is merit to having passable movies in watching them at least. Yeah. But I also think that it is a mistake if that's like all you see. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think that there, there's not a lot of chance for. Uh, you can't have another like first saga of mm-hmm. like the Thanos saga again. Um, well, well ex- except you, you'll, you'll see, you'll see, we'll see, but they're not, they're not setting it up like they did in the first kind of era, the mm-hmm. first 10 years. Yeah. Mostly I think it's also because they don't have like uh, a lot of like established intro characters that they can just do singular movies on. Right. So I feel like at the beginning, they, that was, like, a lot of what they were doing. Iron Man, Captain America, you Thor. know. Thor, yeah. And Guardians being, like, their intro movie. And they had that. And then they put in little pieces with Thanos in there. And they're doing, like, intro movies for, like, Shang-Chi right. and all of those. But they're not putting in the pieces. It kind of looks like they don't know where they're going. Yeah. 
Um, and that's why it's like making me not want to keep watching. But mm-hmm. I definitely want I want to see Loki season two because right. because Tom Hiddleston and uh, Owen Wilson and uh, I think I might see the Marvels. Yeah. I wasn't super sold on Captain Marvel in the first movie, um, but we'll see with this one. It looks good. So the, the thing with Loki and the Marvels is that they're doing their own thing, and yeah. they clearly they have the big thing with those two is that they have a premise. They they do. Like, <laughs> They're, they're selling us on the idea of the movie, not, hey, look at these characters you recognize. Yeah, oh, remember yeah. Ant-Man? Remember Kang? Remember this? Remember? It's like, no, no, no. Just yeah. <laughs> tell just me a good story, story yeah. and I'll show up. Because mm-hmm. this movie is about Rocket. It's not about like the fallout of Thanos yeah. or any of that. That yeah. has a role to play, but it's about Rocket and the grounded story there. Yeah. And that's why I think when you said you can't really recapture the excitement of the MCU ever again, I think you can but it's not going to be Marvel because James Gunn is completely shifting over yeah. and he's in charge of yeah. DC now. He's doing Superman Legacy and yeah. and he, he is starting a universe. And part of me is like, come yeah. on, like mm-hmm. look at the mistakes that Marvel's making right now yeah. and the, the rate that they're putting these things out. Like it's been nonstop, rate, yes. like nonstop. And I think that puts a strain on the creative teams. Like they can't sink into it because they just have to be like, they have to, they have to work so goddamn fast to make profit. Yeah that the stories are just like yeah. churned out. I've definitely made the comparison to Marvel being almost like a factory line yeah. mm-hmm. compared to like actually, I sort of, I made this comparison somewhere, I think. The idea that McDonald's, you can go to Paris, you can go to Boise, you can go to mm-hmm. wherever, and a Big Mac will more or less taste the same. There yep. might be some variation in quality. Mm-hmm. And I do think like the consistency of quality among the MCU peaks and valleys aside are genuinely impressive, but mm-hmm. also it's mm-hmm. kind of like, makes a passable like there isn't yeah. much room for experimentation right my artists and all that i think mm-hmm. i expanded on what you were saying yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit so going off of that too um what do you think the future of superhero projects should look like considering marvel's like uh property factory a dc's new future and like even the boys that show completely kind of re uh reimagining what we think of superheroes as uh hmm. The future of superhero movies? Is yeah, been, like, what, what would you want to see? I mean, there's there's actually quite a few ways of looking at it, and I think I'd be reasonably fine with either, even if I prefer one over the other. Like, the good way, the good way that I think we'd handle superhero movies is we start giving modest budgets to independent filmmakers uh, to, like, offer their own unique, like, stylistic take on a specific character or property. But the bad way, which is what will probably happen, is that the studios will micromanage guys who haven't found their style yet, and they'll probably still make lots of money. Mm-hmm. It's So I have, I have mixed feelings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going into DC with the same caution yeah. and the same, like, tentative, like, hesitant, like, this could work because I trust James Gunn. I don't, yeah. James Gunn has not made something that I don't like yet. I haven't seen Peacemaker because it just didn't really grab me. Yeah. Oh, but it's great. Is it? I, I I've love, heard. I love okay, it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like there's, there, James Gunn has a pretty good plan of what he's doing, especially compared to the old DC and uh, current Marvel. Right. And that's, that's, that, there's, that just is the direction it's going. Like, I think there's going to be a shift from Marvel is the dominant DC, or Mar- dominant superpower to dc is and with that might come a shift from disney to warner becoming the more dominant like ip thing because like superhero movies dominate the Mm -hmm. film market and if warner brothers starts to rake that in and become the superhero movie studio they will take other things with them because you see disney doing the little mermaid 
and right now. Yeah. And it's like, well, people aren't interested in that either. Yeah. So it's, it's a whole shift happening in like the media landscape in general. But what I want to see, I guess, is just to space it out and actually like <laughs> not <laughs> pay the writers, please. Yes. Like, yeah. Pay the writers actually. Writers Guild. Writers Honestly, audiences, I don't think we appreciate how much we don't appreciate how much Star Wars at least made us wait three years for each installment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you say what you will about <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, but like it, it was made by, it was made like with with the right time frame. Like there oh, were yeah, behind the scenes things like, yeah. that like absolutely messed yeah. with that production, but yeah. they were not churning these things out. Not they're getting like quicker, three though. movies a year. Yeah. They're getting quicker. They're but, they're Disney mm-hmm. now, and they're mm-hmm. like getting affected by the machine. But yeah. so and far, and sometimes though you get like these shining. Uh, projects even out of these this like machine like you get you get your Andors every so yes. often you get your Guardians threes every mm-hmm. so often, but I I feel like they can't be diamonds in the rough anymore like you need oh. to space it out so a they're good and b we have time to talk about them and digest them before yes. moving right digest. on to the next thing I think that definitely benefits especially in television when mm-hmm. they release things week to week rather yep. than just releasing all the episodes oh, at yeah. once I do think both methods have their merit but I do like the idea of like the entire audience like being on the same page I'm a yeah. huge proponent of the weekly release model nice. I think yeah. the binge model is what sunk Stranger Things for me uh-huh. and it's the thing that's making uh, Ted Lasso shine right now it's making uh, it made Loki and WandaVision HBO work HBO Max is just thriving HBO off is killing it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Last of Us, like Last Sorry, of Us, did Max. that. Maybe Max <laughs> by the time this, uh, this podcast comes out. But I also feel similarly about the TV show Barry. Yeah, oh, I, man, I, I love Barry. Barry. It's so good. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. We, I think weekly releases is the way to go. Yeah. And movies, they definitely need to map out their movies like with quarters, not like we need one in every quarter so we can get the money. I remember, wasn't it like there were two Marvel movies like a year or something? Yeah, or oh, no, even it's, less. it's like three now. Yeah, it's like three, three. maybe even four. And that's why and they the give, shows. Yeah, and the shows, yeah. yeah. So they need to really think about how much content they're producing because they mm-hmm. can make money. They can make yeah. money off of this. You just got to like, come Play on. WandaVision was one of my biggest like tune in moments to the MCU. Like that was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Since WandaVision, we've gotten Falcon, Loki, Hawkeye, yeah. what if? Uh we got Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, uh, She Hulk, Thor, Moon Knight. Moon Knight as like crept right. into the like shadows. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Literally. Doctor yeah. Strange. Oh um, yeah. Multiverse Madness. Thor Love and Thunder. That's ten. Yeah. Ten and there's more. Like yeah. <laughs> ten since WandaVision. WandaVision felt really recent. Yeah, like, it was. It, it came out 2021. 2020. Actually, yeah, it feels more recent. That's than it ridiculous. Was. Mm-hmm. And people and I and people are saying that. And like people yeah. are people have been saying like there's a fatigue involved. Fatigue like, with like CG, even with like the workers, yeah. CGI workers, the writers probably. Oh, yeah. like, the writers definitely. The writers, yeah, you can see yeah. it. CGI um, teams are famously overworked. I'm amazed yeah. they haven't tried to unionize yet. No, yeah, that that's the next one. That's, that's the, the next, next one. one. I, yeah. I'm pre- I, I don't believe. I'm not religious viewers, but I'm praying for it. Yeah, because they, you need to do that. It's so important. And it can also, like, hopefully influence the, like, people. Maybe. Maybe. And 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 ideally make our art better. Yeah. You're you're seeing a lot of people recognize that right now with, like, they're seeing how, like, machine and factory, like, this is. They're saying, like, people are noticing, like, broadly how conveyor belt these movies feel. 
And that's why I think there's been such a shift to focusing on directors. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a big buzz whenever the new Ari Aster movie comes out, uh, with Rose yes. Afraid. Whenever the new Jordan Peele movie comes out, it's it's the thing of the summer. Like Nope mm -hmm. was Christopher huge. Christopher Nolan. Uh, Christopher like, Nolan, Greta Gerwig. Greta, yeah. Uh, the two, two, two in one. Yeah. yeah. And the like, same day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These directors are are becoming like the stars instead of the characters. Mm -hmm. I think that's fantastic. And I yeah. think that needs to be invested in because this this model of just like conveyor belt movies like every couple weeks at this point mm -hmm. content 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 it's like it's not working and it's not investing, working for them it's not working for us yeah we also need to invest in movies like everything everywhere all at once yes. where it can have that superhero-esque feeling but it's something original and it celebrates diversity and it's just like a sprawling story that can win a Best Picture Oscar. Mm -hmm. Not saying that a Marvel movie ever won't, but it's unlikely. I, nah. <laughs> it's very unlikely. Also, yeah. I do think it is worth noting that we may or may not be in the middle of a new wave now. Like there have been a lot of like movements throughout cinema where people like uh, industry kind of overinflates and start overinflates. What am I saying? Mm -hmm. And it starts recycling itself. So when yeah, what were once surefire hits start bombing, they start mm -hmm. giving younger filmmakers greater creative control yeah. and then the yeah. cycle starts again <laughs> yeah. when the industry over and i think we're starting thing. to see that with with the shift to dc and yeah. when and with these live action disney remakes like that's what you're talking about with like recycling the old like yeah. yes people i don't think people are gonna respond to the little mermaid the way people think they are no and we're seeing what, what what was the newest announcement they made of like they're doing a lot moana moana yes uh like why i that heard was, was dwayne johnson pushed very hard for that i'm sure um, yeah, he really, really wanted that. But any final thoughts just to end off this round table? Oh man. If you have any. Good luck Glad James Gunn. <laughs> like, there we go. You, I think you're the best person to be taking that job. And I think at this point, Marvel needs to have the, the plug pulled a little bit. And yeah. so I think this, this gave me faith. This great Marvel movie was the best trailer for the DCU I could have asked for. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There's my final statement. thought. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I think maybe Disney should have the plug pulled. I mean, it's over 100 at this point. Yep. It, it, it's old. It, it it's old. Get, it's that, get, get that old. Getting a little oh, evil, yeah. you know? You yeah, a little <laughs> And not old. saying Warner isn't evil. No, like, it yeah, absolutely obviously. is. I mean, like, even older. Warner yeah. Brothers, yeah. Yeah, but... Well, uh, also, yeah. even though I'm excited to see where that goes, I do admit Warner Brothers never valued their own cartoons, like yeah. no. cartoons, and I always felt oh my gosh. about that. I, 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 never mind. I was about to go on a whole tangent about what they <laughs> yeah. just did. They, they purged a ton of content from yeah. HBO, yeah. Um, yeah. including HBO one of the Max most important whole, pieces yeah. of media in my entire life. And it just, yeah. it just, oh my God, no. Warner Brothers is not It's a whole innocent. conversation. Coming out here. Yeah. <laughs> Corporations are not innocent people. Keep that in mind. Yeah. I don't, no one thinks that anymore. No, <laughs> why think. would they, right? <laughs> yeah. Why on earth would they think that? Okay. Well, thank you for joining me on this round table for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Great to be here. You've been listening to Film Club, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including the Alaska Community Foundation through the 2022 Healthy Communities, Arts, Culture, and Playground. 
The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help us out by subscribing to, rating, or reviewing our podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you're a youth ages 13 to 24 who loves movies and is interested in being a part of our film club, go to alaskateenmedia.org join. Or you can email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alaska Teen Media. Follow us for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Amon Greer. Thanks for listening.